It's the Morgan Evans More or Less Pickleball podcast coming at you in three, two, one, boom. There are two Zanes in professional pickleball. My guest today is the one people like. Some say he's the illegitimate love child of Martina Navratilova and the Dalai Lama, and that his serve can travel almost twice the speed of smell. I am, of course, talking about the rising star from Wisconsin, Zane Navratil. He's young, gets around the court like a stabbed rat, and seems to be a genuinely nice bloke. Zane, how are you, my man? Wow, uh, I'm doing great, Morgan. Thank you. Uh, I don't know how we're going to follow up that introduction. Listeners, I'd, I'd just say thanks for tuning in at this point because it's, it's all downhill from there. That's, that was awesome. So it, it is really, isn't it? But we'll see if we can just bait them into listening for another, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, see what we can come up with. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's, uh, let's get the basics out of the way. How did you get started in this crazy game known as pickleball? Sure, yeah. I was a good tennis player in high school. I peaked in high school and my dad actually started playing when I was a senior Funny enough, he was playing at a senior center called the Cesar Chavez Center in Racine, Wisconsin. And I had heard of pickleball, and I had all the preconceived notions of what pickleball was. I thought it was an old people's sport and all that type of stuff. And then I went out there to the Cesar Chavez Center, and all of the pickleball stereotypes were confirmed. (laughs) (laughs) So my dad was out there playing with this guy, and I remember vividly, his name was Harvey. Uh, Harvey was like 72, 74 at the time. And I go out, I watch, and they're hitting these dink shots. And me being the tennis player that I was, I was just like, I'm going to come out there, I'm going to just start ripping the ball and show them how it's done and then probably never play again. But Harvey and my dad were actually very good players, and I tried that, and I got my butt kicked. So I actually didn't really like pickleball for about two weeks. I was just so stubbornly competitive that – I wanted to kick Harvey's butt because he was like 75 years old and had never played a racket sport before. So uh, there's no reason I should be losing to this guy. So I just kept playing and I kept trying to learn the game the right way. And then eventually I beat Harvey and by that time I was hooked. So Good, good. So uh, one of the things I want to talk about, you obviously you came from a, a college tennis background and when you were playing, I imagine you never imagined that you would be heading towards pro pickleball. When did you kind of know that the time is right to drop all this accounting stuff that you seem to be good at and really take pickleball seriously? So I was playing tennis. I finished my four years and accounting was to become a CPA, a certified public accountant. You need 150 credits, which is five years of school instead of the normal four years of school. So I had an extra year there where I was helping out with the tennis team a little bit, but not really practicing every day. So I had some time. I played a whole lot of pickleball during that time, driving an hour one way or the other to go play. And that's when I started to really like it. And that was the summer of 2018 when, you know, pro pickleball was not really a thing. Hang on, hang on. I won a major in 2017. Don't tell me that it didn't start until 2018. Dude, come on. I I was actually going to ask you about that. I mean, at that point, though, was there anybody who was sustaining (gasps) themselves by tournament winnings alone? 
Ah, uh, well, that's fair. Okay. Hmm. No, that's what I meant. Not to discredit you, Morgan. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I, I won more than enough food stamps in, at TOC that year to to get me through a couple of drive throughs So fair that's fair. I mean, at the time, I think Kyle and, well, I think Ben was probably right up there as well. But we played Kyle and Dave in the final. I look back at it and think, I have a funny feeling that a team that reaches third or fourth round in any any big tournament these days probably would have won a bunch of majors at that time. So, yeah, well, that's just how quickly the game is evolving, for mm. sure. So, yeah, I, I wasn't really on the scene at that point, and I didn't really, I don't really know much about how pickleball was 2017, 2018, 2019. I started my job as an auditor for Deloitte in September of 2019. I made it all the way to July of 2020, and during quarantine, March, April, May of 2020, I started teaching some pickleball lessons just to kind of get out of the house after working all day. I just wanted to leave the house and I found that I was actually really enjoying the teaching, which I was somewhat surprised about because my experience with teaching before that was teaching middle school kids how to play tennis that didn't want to be there. Yeah. And that was horrible. So. Mm. But I enjoyed it, and then I enjoyed it so much that I quit my job as an auditor in July of 2020. And yeah, it was an awesome decision. I'm I'm loving life as a pro pickleballer. So, and the game appreciates you. There's no doubt about it. Now you're one of the few players that I can look at and think there is a foreseeable chance that you can beat uh, Mr. Ben Johns at singles. What do you think it's going to take to achieve that? Wow. Well, there's a lot of things because Ben does almost everything better than everybody else at this point. I think what it's going to take is basically just better ground strokes, ability to not play cat and mouse with Ben. That's not a game that I really want to be in with him. I want to kind of just go for, for passing shots. And it's not going to be right away. It's going to be, you know, tennis, you say you have a two-shot passing shot. Pickleball it might be four, five, six passes. So mm. getting really precise with the ground strokes in order to get that ball past Ben or Tyson, for that matter, because those guys cover the court better than anybody else. Yeah. One of the big changes in your game recently that um, we're certainly going to address is how you've adapted your serve to apply that much more pressure. Have you been able to use it against Ben yet? Actually, I've been doing it for a little while. Probably been doing it since halfway through the summer of 2020. I guess it just was not ever noticed as much as it was in the finals of Punta Gorda, the way that I was serving. And I didn't do it every time before. And something that I've been doing for a little while, it didn't happen overnight. That's interesting because you, you came to do a level up camp here and we worked together for three days. And at that time, we played a little bit of skinny singles and you weren't using the click and dip, you know, the, the one I use, and you weren't using the, the Z saw, which I still think the Z saw has got to be the name, but hey, it's your choice. That's not bad. That's not bad. But I challenge you to, to dive deeper on that one. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll keep working on it. So obviously, there are a lot of people out there that kind of still look at the serve as a way to start the point, and they're not really putting any real power in place. They're just starting off the points. You've always been someone who has gone after it and put plenty of of energy into the serve, which made you, you know, the perfect candidate to adopt the revolutionary, ah, oh, pun intended. There you go, new kind of spinning serve. Why do you think most people don't go bigger on the serve? I'm not really sure fear of, of missing you know tennis you have two serves you can kind of rein it in on the second serve if you miss the first pickleball is great for me because 
my serve was horrible in tennis. Oh, really? I broke serve more than I than I held serve in tennis. And it's not supposed to be that way. Yeah, I had good ground strokes, bad serve. I posted a YouTube video a little while ago of me playing tennis, and I hit just about everything on the throat of the racket. Um, oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it was, it was awful. And I probably won't play tennis again for another year. <laughs> That's probably best. I tried it recently as well. It was not pretty. Drop shots were great, but everything else was a nightmare. So, yeah, good call. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd say you're one of, if not the fastest player on the tour, you know, built like a young minotaur, mostly legs with a great sort of power-to-weight ratio. Is there is that something you work on, or is it a residual effect from your years of tennis? I've always been, I guess, a scrawny guy. I run around a lot, so I have strong legs, but I'm definitely working on the fitness aspect of things even a little bit more. I mean, I have, I have very good cardio. I can run around for days, but I think it's going to behoove me to get a little bit stronger. So I'm doing some CrossFit type of stuff. Nice. Yeah, that's an area for improvement for me. Good man. And for your average person out there, any kind of advice you could give to improving footwork or speed? There's a lot of people that will look at how you move and think, ah, that's, it's never going to be something that they can achieve. And to a large extent, that's probably true. But movement is a skill like anything else. It, it can be learned. Any advice? Because you're a teacher now. You, you should be advising people on movement patterns and whatnot. What can you give to our listeners? Sure, yeah. Well, I would say a lot of it's going to be homework. I like explosiveness sort of exercises. I'm not big on going up running for, you know, an hour. I like to go work out for 20 minutes, do some jump rope, because that's kind of a pretty explosive movement if you think about it. I like to do some stairs a little bit, some long jumps, high jumps. High jump's kind of in place, just getting up as, as high as I can. And uh, I like the agility ladder. So I actually don't really do all that much in the way of sprinting and that type of stuff. Uh, I do plenty of that on the tennis court or the pickleball court. So I would say if somebody's listening, looking to improve their pickleball footwork, there's two actionable things. I'd say do some jump rope and do a little bit of agility ladder work. Okay, you hear that, folks? Jump rope and agility ladders. Very good. And I think even more so for pickleball than tennis, given that the space is smaller in pickleball, how quickly you can move very small distances is very important in tennis. Obviously, you know, if you're zero to three or zero to five yard speed is incredible, you'll have a very good chance to be a fantastic baseline player. In pickleball, singles, obviously, it's important as well. But how quickly you can move from A to one yard away is probably even more important, which means the kind of the calf muscles, the Achilles, your feet play a huge role. I find whenever I actually roll out my feet, do you roll using you know, foam rollers or golf balls and tennis balls? No, I don't really roll. I don't roll at all. I do stretch a decent amount. So Okay, that's good. So you're pretty flexible. Yeah, I'd say so. I think that helps tremendously for reaching to balls and whatnot. I think flexibility is something that's overlooked probably even more than foot speed. If you can reach for something without even needing to move your feet because you're flexible, that's great. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you, you probably save a lot of time and space there. I always notice when I use a golf ball on my feet, the next time I go out and try to do any kind of agility work, I always feel a little more spring in my step because 
you know, there's muscles at the bottom there. If they're overworked or too tight to actually fire well, then the Achilles, the calf muscles, the rest of your legs, they're always kind of, they've got a leg down, so to speak. So give it a go, mate. Trust me. One day you're going to be Selkirk material, if not already. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're going to hold it there briefly with Zane for a medium tip from Coach Me Pickleball. My style of play is generally offensive. Sometimes so is my language, but that's unrelated. I teach the game most days of the week, and I find that most players don't differentiate their level of offense based on whether or not they're serving or returning. Try to think about your game in the eyes of your opponent. Are they feeling any real pressure from you? If there's a moment to apply pressure, then it should be when you aren't risking the loss of a point, namely on serve. To feel comfortable doing this, you will need to have a reliable return game. After all, if your returns and fourth balls are weak, then you're likely finding yourself on a level playing field far too often with the serving side. And that's the side with a significant disadvantage at the start of the point. My best advice is to work hard on your returns, making them deep and penetrating, but also find the speed that allows you to always get up to the kitchen line. The chip and charge return is a fantastic tool for this. If you've got that down, then it's important to own the rolling volley to use on fourth balls that you have to contact around the net height or just below. This rolling volley will have topspin, which not only provides a timing challenge for your opponent's contact, but it gives you a level of insurance that you can be aggressive and still expect the ball to drop in. To learn more about the rolling volley and the chip and charge return, please head over to coachmepickleball.com for your free trial. Okay, let's head back over to Zane, see what's going on. Now, would you class yourself as a, and I'm talking doubles here, more of an offensive player, defensive? Where would you put yourself in that kind of spectrum? I definitely would say that I like to play more offense. I don't play as much offense as I would like. I'd I'd love to just go hit everything hard, but unfortunately that's not realistic, but I still have a tendency to play pretty offensive, I think. And do you try to kind of vary it based on your partner? Like if you if you feel like you, compared to your partner, have more of a spectrum that you could play, do you sort of mold yourself to their comfort zone? Or is it just, I'm me, I see that ball, I think I can attack the person in front and go for it regardless? I think that's more how I should play. I think I tailor my game to who I'm playing with a little bit too much. I think you need to play your own game and you'll find a partner, hopefully, that complements that game. Uh, I don't think you should ever, well, maybe that's wrong, I, but I don't think you're going to be at your best if you're trying to play a game that best suits your partner instead of best suiting yourself. Mm, Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, no, no, it, it, it totally does. I'm sure you're right. Eventually, if you play your own game, you'll kind of gravitate towards a partner that fits into that game as opposed to trying to mold. That's interesting. Good perspective. Our listeners are learning a lot today. That's good stuff. (laughs) Don't sound so surprised. (laughs) Well, no, no, honestly, I, I, I was pleasantly surprised when you came to teach at Palm Desert Resort and you were kind of put on the spot and asked to explain a particular topic, knowing you 25, I'm trying to remember what kind of things I was saying at 25. It wasn't great, I'm sure. 
but I thought you spoke very well and very confidently, um, <laughs> which, which meant, you know, I think anyone who speaks confidently usually has a, a fair amount of belief that what they're saying is, is true. And I'm sure it was true. I, you know, I zoned out pretty quickly, but. So my, my theory on that is if you speak confidently enough, people just like believe what you say, mm. even if it's nonsense. I'm just kidding. No, I do. <laughs> I do actually, you know, teach a decent, decent chunk. Although there is probably some truth to that. So. Oh, no, 100%. Thank you. I appreciate that compliment, Morgan. <laughs> you know, you're very welcome. But I think you're absolutely right. Your level of effectiveness as a coach, I think, is directly relates to how well people believe you, which is really a double-edged sword because there are a lot of very good players out there that really just teach how they play and forget that Doris at the tender age of 86 probably is not going to do a whole lot of plyometrics and may not need to learn the Z-saw serve still think we should use these or well, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but because X amount of players or coaches are very, very good players, people inherently believe what they say, right or wrong. And I think you're one of the few players that you take the teaching part of it seriously enough so that the average person who comes to a clinic trusts that you're not just saying things because they work for you. You're probably saying them because they have some good background in either sound biomechanics or good high percentage strategy. Would that be a fair statement? Well, yeah. I mean, I think ideally that should be a what any coach does. If you're teaching somebody who's just starting tennis, you can go into what Roger Federer does with his wrist lag or whatever. But if they're just starting to figure out how to hit the ball, that none of that, I mean, that goes out the window. You have to, you can tell them where that fits in, but that can't be your first step. So when I teach, I definitely have, I teach different, basically curriculum to 3-0, 3-5, 4-0, 4-5, 5-0, because they're all working on something different and they all have different skill sets. So there's no one way that fits all, that's for sure. Yeah. I know my favorite lessons are the ones where someone comes to me and they they actually have a direct request. I'd like to work on this or I'd like to work on that. But it seems like for me, I don't know, at least 60% come and they have no idea what they need to work on. And I have to spend you know, 15 minutes or so testing them. And often I just play skinny singles against them to see where they're strong and where they're weak. And then you know, the rest of the lesson is uh, geared towards what I perceive as their major weaknesses. Now, as we're on this topic, and we'll kind of start wrapping things up here, you've been teaching for a while now. Have you got any camps or clinics coming up? How can our esteemed listeners find you if they need to get a hold of you and learn from the great uh, Zane Navratil? Well, definitely the best way to just kind of figure out where on earth I'm going to be is through Facebook or Instagram for the most part. And I'm on there as Zane Navratil Pickleball. I'm pretty active posting what I'm doing, and I do try to have a lot of fun with my social media page. I'd say it's at least 40% dedicated to my dog, Murray. <laughs> so if that's the type of content that you're looking for, you know, Zane Naver Tell Pickleball, I'd say is the, is the place to find it for sure. So that's, that's also where I do post pickleball-related things as well. So... <laughs> Good stuff, mate. Well, I appreciate your time. Um, Look forward to catching up soon. Any parting words of wisdom? And don't feel like you have to. That's really putting you on the spot. Wow, yeah, I I was not prepared for that. I can't say I I have anything that's... To live up to that intro is just... We might as well just end it. 
I think it was my favorite intro ever. So, you know, you're welcome. That's awesome. I'm glad to be a part of it. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Well, thanks again, mate. Um, we'll catch up soon. Be good to your parents. Say hi to Murray and uh, wear sunblock. You got it. Morgan, <laughs> uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I enjoyed this. Yeah, pleasure, mate. We'll do it again soon. Take care. Sounds like a plan. Bye. Well, I hope you've enjoyed our time together, people. As always, this podcast is powered by Selkirk Sport. I'm Morgan Evans, and this has been More or Less Pickleball. You get a dodgy old Honda Civic, and that will get you from A to splat quicker than anything. <laughs>